You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for solar owners and industry, with Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Clenergy, providers of innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. SunWiz, Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. And Solar Analytics, developing smart solar software you can trust for homes, businesses and solar retailers right here in Australia. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of Solar Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy. One step off the grid and the EV focused, the driven. And I'm joined as usual, but in a different circumstance, by Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics. Nigel, have you been enjoying the Smart Energy Conference? Oh, Giles, I, this is so weird. Uh, I don't think we've ever actually done a podcast together in the same room. Not this room. close. No, it's no, very... No, this is not COVID safe, actually. <laughs> this is not COVID yeah, even safe. Worse than that, we're actually sitting in a huddle. Yeah. And, uh, we'll, we'll introduce our guests very soon. But, yeah. Um, yes. yeah, it's a bit spacey. You're looking at the floor, Nigel. You're not looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> that pretty much sums up the whole conference for me, is, oh, my God, there's 5,000 people to actually meet face-to-face. But suffice to say, Giles, it has been um, non-stop wonderfulness. It's been so good that everyone's been getting together. I mean, you talked about the uh, the last episode. I think you reported back from the um, from the Sundowners. True. And um, that sounded like it was all of fun, but a little untidy. Um, but this has been much more constructive and focused, and um, a lot of people getting together and sharing stories and just celebrating a fantastic year despite everything. It's true. It's true. Real business. Yeah. Real business. And in fact, someone quipped last night, this is uh, officially the biggest solar conference in the world. Uh, <laughs> it would have been. <laughs> because it's the only one. So, you know, we win, rest of world. Um, so, no, it has actually been really genuinely a massive business opportunity. And of course, everyone just having those parts of the conversations that you only get uh, when you're face to face with someone, when you can go and stand on their booth, when you can, you know, touch their product. Um, and of course, share a sneaky glass of wine or two. Absolutely. It was actually quite the most amusing thing I found was that we were standing around all day sort of talking to each other and just meeting up with each other and, and, and what have you, catching up on stories and things like that. And then as soon as we had a beer or a glass of champagne or a wine thrust in our hands, we had to sit down. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that, was, that was weird. That was really weird. It was really, yeah. really weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I agree. Anyway. That was universally weird. Um, but, you know, such are, the, such are the times that we live in. Well, maybe we'll get that right in the next pandemic. Mm. Um, <laughs> listen, um, we've got some guests and I'd like to introduce them now. Um, welcome on board. Um, Warwick Johnson, that everyone knows from Sunwiz. Warwick, fantastic to join our huddle. Lovely to see you in person and see what this uh, podcast actually really looks like. And I'm also very excited that uh, Giles won't forget his mute button today, I, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't got a mute button. Warwick, I'm actually really disappointed that you're not wearing your teal suit where you greeted me yesterday. I just thought I'd never actually had a podcast with a t- person in a teal suit before. <laughs> it's something you really have to show up and, and see. It's a, that was a first day, especially, not to be repeated. <laughs> well, I heard you moved on to pyjamas and all sorts of... I mean, I mean, how many costume changes does a solo guy have? Yeah. There was a few. I had a, I had a COVID statement, uh, kind of the newscaster kind of presentation look. Um, also, the uh, one excuse that I to say I've, I've worn pajamas and an UGG boot to um, to a trade show. Do you reckon it's good for business? Uh, it didn't seem to harm it. <laughs> <laughs> a wise man once said to me, "When it comes to trade shows, I don't care what you do or say, as long as people remember you." Well, there you go. Well, that's one what teal suit. That's going to do it. That's going to do it. No one's going to forget that side. I also want to introduce our, our other guest, Marcus um, Lambert. Now, Marcus, you just walked in here with a great big hat. Now you've taken it off and discovered that you're as bald as I am. 
<laughs> yes, uh, that was a farewell gift from the LG staff, and I think some smart person commented that uh, now that I was a feather duster and I didn't have enough feathers for a feather duster, I should have a hat as a present. So, <laughs> oh, that's so fantastic. <laughs> so, Marcus, you were with LG for many years. Um, where are you now? What are you doing? Well, it's uh, 10 years with LG. They say sometimes you get a bit less for manslaughter. And uh, I basically, my son left private school, so financially suddenly there was a new opportunities and I'm actually running my small marketing agency because I think a lot of installers out there, they're very good at installing, but they're not always that good at marketing. So I saw a bit of an opportunity there and uh, I think we didn't do too bad with LG in the marketing, so I backed mm. myself on that one. Well, well, good luck with that. We actually let you sort of say the name, but then you have to pay a fee for podcasting and for sponsorship. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, say it. Go on, go on. You can do it. You can do it. It's really Please important. Tell us what the name is. It's incredible um, value. Well, we kind of, you know, you, my, my marketing is I always take somebody's best idea and then make it mine, so it's called All Energy Media. <laughs> It's got I a bit of it's controversial, but uh, fitting. Well, it's got that's, some that's, profile. That's uh, no, we spell it slightly different. <laughs> <laughs> Is it all energy or all energy? Um, yeah, but I'll, 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 when we do the sponsorship contract, I give you the real spelling. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Look, let's get into what, what we learnt um, today. Look, some of the big themes from me and um, um, was, look, Martin Green was really impressive talking about, um, he's actually coming up in your great solid business podcast. My special week. guest just last week. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, um, no, but it's been broadcast next week. So um, It is next week. It's yeah. next, next week. Yes, yes, yes we recorded yes. it last week. Um, yes. And, um, Sometime soon. He'll be out, I'm sure. This is a professional podcast. Yeah, um, right. But Martin Green, we're not going to spill too much of what he's told you, but he basically told everybody else that you know the cost of solar is coming down even further and it's going to be insanely cheap. And that just sort of shows um, some of where we're heading to a solar-powered economy. And a lot of feedback about the export tax. There's a lot of push. I mean, we've been talking about the export tax and other things and just wondering... Um, whether it's a good thing or not, um, a lot of people sort of pushing back on that, and even some of these sort of, you know, a lot of questions about sort of dynamic exports and how that's going to work and things. Yeah, um, I chaired a I chaired a session where we covered almost all of those things. Today. Well, tell us more. Well, well, there was it was it was a range of different topics, but one of the topics uh, which they were talking about was actually the evolution of cell technology, and it fit right into the same conversation that I had with Martin that I know Martin presented on earlier this week. Um, where they were talking about the technolo technological evolution and how that's going to get us to this magical figure that he's already talked about of 10 cents a watt. And, mm. and spoiler alert, in, in the conversation I had with him, I said, how far below that are we going? And he gave me a number. Ooh. So, well, we won't say it now, but listen to the we won't say, You've got to listen. You've got to come back and listen to the yes. podcast. So that was really cool. And the, in the, the, the session that I chaired today was all about products and innovation. So we got to hear about you know, self-cleaning glass treatments that help panels shed dust. Uh, we got to hear about um, um, uh, charity work in solar uh, and, and, and helping, you know, deliver how the industry could deliver charity solutions for for uh, people in need through solar technology. We got to hear about some of the amazing things that the guys from 5B continue to do out there. We heard from Mondo Energy about a great presentation, actually, from Mondo Energy. Um, summarising so beautifully this whole new ecosystem mm. of energy uh, from, you know, from that sort of retail perspective. So it was an absolutely fascinating session. Yeah, great. What, what's been highest for you? Look, 
I think I saw some technology there which can actually go some ways to towards addressing the, the solar tax as well, the issues there. there Ooh, tell us more. Wasn't that? So um, there are some technologies out there which uh, by in getting uh, smart meter data, and you only need 20% smart meter penetration, you can actually uh, make a map of a network which can reliably predict under voltage and over voltage and give that information to the network to say, if you change your transformer tap settings, which is very cost easy and cost effective to, to do, your solar hosting capacity can go up by X hundred kilowatts, et cetera, on a feeder by feeder basis. So um, that's a, a pretty impressive technology out there. Uh, it goes another way to seeing you know, the magic, amazing things that uh, data on networks and solar can do. So that was one of my hearts. Do you know, do you know what this makes, do you know, this makes me laugh that we're sitting here having this conversation because Warwick, you and I sat maybe, maybe 400 metres as the crows flies from here back in about 2012 uh, uh, talking about feed-in tariffs and arguing about the merit or the value of the merit order effect and how solar is going to do all these wonderful things, and we sat there and listened to the network company saying, "But, but we don't know what the voltage is on our network. <laughs> 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 that would that would be impossible to know at a node level, and they 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 are blind to it. They are absolutely blind to it." Um, which is where companies like ours and, and indeed the other opportunities from some of the smart meters. Some of the smart meters can give us that information, some can't. So it'll be very, very interesting. But if there's a new opportunity coming up to get that nodal voltage and then to do the forecasting and modelling off it, bring that shit on. And look, to me, it's just another example of where technology can solve the issues that are cropping up on, in some places nowadays. We don't need to design something for five years in future that can be addressed by today's technology because in five years' time, we're going to have very, very different market, different issues, etc. perhaps a lot more storage and EVs um, out there, which means that whatever you design now won't be, really be fit for purpose in that time. Mm -hmm. mm, true. Yeah, look, I've been, I mean, I don't know if I was at that conversation in 2012 when you're talking about sort of voltage, but I seem to remember tap settings from about, I've been hearing about that for about 10 years, and again, you're yeah. talking about it, you know, but it's not as though this issue has not been seen, and it's just like so much about the grid, we've kind of seen what's going to happen, but we haven't actually acted fast enough, but um, hopefully we can actually do that. Marcus, let's go over to you. What, what's been the big thing for you? What, what's stood out? You've been wandering around with your microphone and your video camera. Yes, look, I'm, I actually heard Martin Green, and while I'm really, really happy that uh, we're hearing that solar panels are going still lower, I actually did find also a bit of a downside to it because, you see, if you're a, a solar panel distributor and the panel goes out at $80 and the packing of the panel costs you more than the panel itself. It's, it's really hard to get your <laughs> margins up because the bloke who's packing it, he's not going down in his wages. No. So the whole um, challenge of, of the lower cost is actually within the chain, also to some degree putting some new headaches up. Because as I said, uh, I feel sometimes when, when you get something really cheap, then sometimes the value of it is not there anymore. Mm. And I spoke to some people who said, look, I've got a perfectly good 10-year solar panel. It still works. Why am I going to throw it away? I mean, we can't forget why we started with solar in the first place. And, and I find a lot of people, when it gets very cheap, that becomes very disposable. And then we're kind of creating this counter reason on the solar. So I'm, I'm a bit worried about we're getting that cheap that it becomes disposable. Yeah. One flip side thing of that, though, might be actually a bit of a move to quality, to the, the quality products, if everything is getting cheaper. And look, I actually talked to um, Rami Feder from um, Solar Juice um, while I was at the conference and uh, just had a brief conversation with him, which I recorded. And let's have, just have a listen to that now. Rami Feder from Solar Juice. Um, great to see you at this conference. 
likewise. Long yeah, time. absolutely. It's amazing to see everyone back together again. Um, you're one of the biggest uh, sort of um, wholesalers in the, in the business. In fact, Sologist the biggest. Uh, we're one of the biggest. Biggest getting up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. It's been an amazing year so far. It's been an amazing 15 months, despite all the predictions of slowdowns. It seems to be increasing. Just give us a quick overview of the state of the market now. Well, last year was a, definitely a, a, a best year mm. by far, and Q1 was the biggest Q1 to date. Um, just recently, we've seen um, probably the market probably stabilise, and um, yes, yeah, supply is able to keep up with demand now. Yeah. What are some of the trends that you're seeing in the market now in terms of sort of pricing and brands and things like that? And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's come a long way. I mean, I remember um, in the Australian market back in 2010, 11. The early days when um, the incentive started to come into play, pricing was the most important factor. Where now um, it's all about brand, the brand awareness is a lot more important, and people are more looking to um, the, um, the pr whether the brand has, be, has a proven track record in Australia. Where we've, we've played last year, we played with um, yeah, last year, we, we, we had products that were more focused around price and we saw it wasn't successful at all. And um, right now, even, even the, um, the br brands, the, sorry, let me just compose myself. Okay, even the T2 brands, which um, in previous years were able to gain volume purely because of price, now they're not even able to even get under the T1 players. So the T1s at the moment are just gaining more and more market share. That's interesting. And what about the actual size of the modules? We're just hearing sort of, we seem to get a press release every couple of weeks from people saying the modules are getting bigger. So what's going on there and what does that mean for the consumer? Yeah, so last year we saw a transition from 330 watts to 370 as the, you know, the go-to panel. Um, now this year we've already seen um, many of the top brands releasing th a, a 390 watt. Um, product or 39400 and we're seeing a transition now this year it hasn't happened yet we'll, but we'll definitely see it um, move from 370 to 390 mm. is, that, is that bringing down the cost for consumers in the end look it does co um, bring down the cost for the manufacturers however what's um, sort of put a spin in the works is the raw material pricing I mean last year we saw um, glass go up um, we had issues with freight where it was very hard to get containers on, on a boat and just cause um, container prices to skyrocket, which had a ripple effect on, onto solar panels. And now of late, ever since um, December, we've seen polysilicon prices on the rise and since March, it's just skyrocketing. Mm. So for, um, we, we've been seeing probably a 5% um, increase month over month for the leading brands. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. What about storage? Are people, people picking up batteries? Um, yeah, last year was uh, our biggest year by far with battery storage. Uh, we, we actually moved uh, over 40, 40 megawatt hours, which is, you know, versus the prior year, you know, it was like a 400% increase mm. for us. Um, it has stabilised for us at the moment. I mean, there are some brands who, who have actually increased pricing because of other markets where they, they can't keep up with supply. So mm. to, to sort of um, cool it down, they have increased pricing. But some of the lesser known brands are still quite aggressive and pricing is, is, is coming down for battery storage thanks right. to EV cars. <laughs> EV cars, yes. Yeah. So let's have more come in. And just very briefly then, what's your prediction for the rest of the year? 
Um, look, in, historically in Australia, the second half of the year ha has always been the biggest, um, especially from September. Um, um, so I'm expecting a, a very big um, year end, um, especially on, for rooftop solar, um, where, where, as I said, we, we had the biggest um, by far, Q1, for, um, and I'm expecting a the biggest um, Q3 and Q4 for solar juice as well, oh, and for the Australian market. Sounds exciting. Rami, um, good to catch up. Likewise. Thanks for having me. And that was Rami Feder from Solid Juice. Look, one of Rami's interesting observations, just not just about the state of the market, but he did detect there was a bit of a move to quality um, in the market, which I think is a good thing. Um, you have actually talked and campaigned along about this, um, Marcus. Um, what's your sort of assessment? Is there a move to quality or is it just not enough? Or is there, there's, there's, there's still too much junk out there? No, I, look, I think, um you know, when, when Australia opened up and we had 400 manufacturers coming here because it was sunshine for everybody financially, and then 387 left, I think what we got in the market now is the key players. They create solid product. As a matter of fact, I've, I've always, uh, in the past, made the LG panel look very special and, and uh, quite successfully, but the truth is out there now, you look at um, some of the distributors, what's on the wall, if you take the label off, they will look very, very similar. So mm. I think there's a there's a big commodity on the panel coming through, and I do think the quality overall has increased. I think it's the functionality of how the solar system has to integrate with all the other solutions that are coming going forward, which is really the next big chapter. So mm. what I say to people, mm. if you pick a solar installer, you don't want somebody sells you the cheapest system and then like a locust flies out of town. You want to really have the guy who's going to be there and help you transition in the next t 10 years to the battery, the EV charging, the uh, maybe the hot water one day is only allowed to be a certain way and PV has to play a role. So this kind of company that you're engaging to buy your solar system from is actually the one that's going to hold your hand in the next 10 years to create value to your house. Because if I'll take Germany, for example, they have an energy rating now that you have to have a certificate when you sell your house. It could be the same house, same street, similar, but the energy rating is different and the price point is hundreds of thousands of dollars difference. I think we're going to get there. So the solar companies actually have to become integration companies. Do you know, that's a really, uh, it reminds me of a conversation I was having just only an hour ago um, with someone who I asked how their conference was and he said, you know, the big difference between this conference and other conferences is Although we're all talking about the technology and we're all excited to go around and look at this battery or look at that monitoring system or whatever it may be, the conversation has shifted. And in the presentations, the conversations, although they're still about technology, it is about now how do we integrate all of that to deliver this holistic new grid solution that we all need to deliver. And that was, that was a definite shift that um, one of my friends at least picked up on. And there I see it's actually another interesting observation I was commenting to as well is state governments are playing a part now and uh, you know we go back to conferences you know, 10 years ago and you really had to get the state governments just to not be so abrupt in their levers and switching on and off the solar coaster right uh, and now you know 10 years later what we see is state governments have evolved in their engagement and their programs actually drive some of the technology improvements that are required for the future so um, a new level of um, yeah, acceptance and embrace of solar and I think working together to try and solve it we just don't know exactly what the best way is yet yeah mm. We'll just take a break to hear a message from one of our sponsors. Plenergy is an Australian-founded enterprise providing innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. 
Clenergy's innovative approach and engineering expertise gives them a unique edge to create the right base framework for all solar applications. Their range of high-quality products and services include PV mounting, ground mounting products and solutions for residential, commercial and utility-scale projects. Visit clenergy.com.au and find the right framework for your solar application. And of course we'd like to thank all of our sponsors, including Warwick from Sunrise, who's sitting <laughs> yeah. with us right now. Thanks, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Solar Analytics, also sitting here. Thanks, Noah. Yeah. <laughs> and Clenergy. And um, look, they couldn't join us today, but um, they were invited. But um, anyway. Um, and our upcoming sponsor, Marcus, over here. Um, <laughs> I'd rather the contract. Congratulations it's okay. on your appointment. Um, <laughs> on your new contract. Warwick, um, the other big number that was thrown around here was Clean Energy Regulator declaring that the RET was met finally, this time actually in production and not just capacity. Oh, yes. And, but he also talked about rooftop solar, three, three and a half to four gigawatts, I think they're expecting this year. What's your estimate? Do you reckon on the right track? I mean, I guess they can't be too far wrong. And how long do you reckon that might last? Look, uh, we've had talks about potential slowdowns, etc., but still the market is you know, churning away at 25% higher than it was the same time last year. And um, you know, you, you carry that forward, and you get very close to uh, you know rooftop market, which is you know nudging four gigawatts and not really showing any major sign sign of uh, abruptly changing that. There may be you know gentle slowdowns, etc., but you know people are saying there's going to be you know, of that order of gigawatts installed year upon year upon year. Are we going to run out of rooftops? Not yet, no. So, <laughs> so we um and Nigel and I used to forecast this, right? And rooftop penetration, oh. and, and like we probably would have run out of rooftops if we were still installing one kilowatt systems, right? Yep. <laughs> but we're installing you know six, and actually you see increasing tendencies to be installing uh, thirteen kilowatt systems on roofs, and there you're starting to actually you know, start to almost fill roofs, but seriously still not quite. Mm. So yeah, there's still a lot of roof space left to go, um, even if there's you know uh, two point five million. Houses with existing solar systems, which are you know, filling up a small portion of it, yeah. and that's even before you go and you just look out the window here, and you go, there's still lots of commercial roof space that we can keep going with. Yeah, it, I saw that statement today. The RET is met, and uh, started googling immediately and digging down into some of the old uh, battle cries. And uh, yeah, big shout out to uh, Judith Sloan, who was uh, you know catastrophically wrong in her forecast that we would never meet. Uh, the RET target, um, I think you had some quotes on your website today, Giles, talking about... Um Yes, I was, look, I was just quoting Mark Williamson from the Clean Energy Regulator, and um, he just sort of um, highlighted that article that she wrote in mm. 2016, one of many articles written in the Murdoch media about how we can't go solar, we can't go wind, we can't go renewable. Impossible to meet. Absolutely yeah. impossible, and look, we're just sailing past it. Sailing but, um, past it. Yeah. Um, Hey, look, um, Marcus mentioned um, integration of technology, and I guess one of the interesting things is for the whole industry is the new inverter standards which are coming in. Mm -hmm. um, was there anything much said about that during the conference? Oh, here? I gave a presentation on that. Well, <laughs> no, I do. You, you, you I gave two. You have, a, you have the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I was asked to give two different presentations on the topic of, um, you know, the emergence of, 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 of smart grids and, and particularly focused around the inverter stuff. And interesting, I took two different angles on it. The first one I gave, which was to an audience of, of, um, of uh, well, it's, the audience is largely installers, so, but, but the first one was really focused on trying to help solar businesses 
navigate what's coming, right? Because um, uh, you, you're going to have to adapt to your business. I think one of the quotes that I that I said was, "A, it's not just inevitable; it's actually already started." So you know, get ready, and it might only be in South Australia, but it's not going to take long. And we've seen these kinds of trends before. B, uh, think carefully about how fast you try to adapt to these new technologies, because we've also seen. You know, these kinds of shifts in policy direction and technology direction. I'm going to mention DRM, which was forced upon the industry and never ever used in inverters, apart from a little sample finally seven years later down in Adelaide. But really, um, the, the, the message was, you know, it's absolutely inevitable. It's coming. Businesses need to be need to be very aware, they need to be listening very, very carefully, and they need to be getting ready for this change to come, but also picking their time really, really carefully um, um, before they jump in. And, um, and there was a number of presentations, other presentations that I heard on the same thing about everyone saying how smart inverters, and again, I want to take the focus off the components, you know. It was really what role do smart inverters play? What role does data play? What role do, um, uh, you know, better panel technologies play? What role do, do, does VPP and grid services play? How do, we, how do we wrap all of that up into something that mum can understand, Giles? Mm because mum doesn't get it yet. It's too complicated for mum. No, no offence, mum. Um, but, you know, it is, it, it's hard for us to understand, let alone, let alone mum. Sorry, mum. Work, I understood most of that until the last bit. Can you help us out? Well, <laughs> I think it's also pretty hard for installers to understand. And uh, let me illustrate that by a case in point of some market share data, which we now track pretty accurately. As Marcus was saying, um, panels are, you know, at the end of the day, consumers see them as black rectangles that go on the roofs that are ugly and and the industry sees them as things that you can substitute pretty quickly. But what I see in the market share data is that they stick to the inverter brands and they don't change them very often. They've got two or maybe three uh, inverter brands in their portfolio. And I think one of the reasons for that is is it's like once you learn how to um, handle all the data and connectivity on a particular inverter and all of its <laughs> menus you've got to navigate and scratch your head about that for a long time, you don't want to be going and doing that on another uh, brand next week. And so it goes to the point that uh, you know, installers are needing to be more and more sophisticated on the data side of things as well uh, as the inverters become more and more capable. Yeah. Um, not the installer. Professor, it has to move to professor installer. Um, well, one quick one uh, about that solar tax and you know the flexibility of the grid mm. and all that. So I've got an installer friend who's been there since 2006, and he focuses mainly on the inner city in Sydney, where people haven't got that big of a roof, but they are willing to spend on quality. So he had four systems to install on the books, and he went to every single one who actually heard about you know, by the media blown up, there was a solar tax coming, I can't get anything for my electricity, maybe I have to pay for it. And he was actually fearing when they start raising it that he'd have a few cancellation and in all four cases, they've decided to also go with a battery. Ah, well, there you go, <laughs> as a consequence. Wow. <laughs> so I think the energy retailers have to really be very careful about the, uh, the solar tax or, or, or what's been proposed because I think with the right financial model, what you can do is a solar system that maybe has a three to four year payback, you bundle it with the right battery solution, you may be back at the seven year mark, but as we know from the history, the seven year mark payback is about where things starting. So I just found it interesting that instead of the cancellation that he feared, he actually got an upsell out of it. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, is battery storage still done on a payback thing, Warwick? Is it, um, is it a bit like a couch? You don't really care what your return on investment is as long as it's comfortable. 
look, on. look, I think you've got uh, a couple of different customer types there. Uh, you've got, at the end of the day, you know, batteries have probably not done much on their upfront costs, though you can see loan, government loans can reduce the, the barrier there. We do see that there's like uh, two different market segments there. Now there's those that uh, fly to quality and brand, and then there is the, uh, the new growth areas and the, the price-driven batteries. So price is different, de definitely a consideration, probably uh, more so than payback. Um, but at the end of the day, I think the, the sense that I get is people just want to have a battery because they want to have a battery, mm. whether it be independence. Black, independence, blackout protection, all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, it varies. And yeah, to be honest, the paybacks aren't great unless you're in a subsidised area, but there's uh, plenty of cases where for unique circumstances that customer they can be good i mean you've got a blackout in your area and you can invite your neighbors over for canopies under light i mean what's the value for that in the neighborhood gossip nigel what else did we hear out there um look i i'm trying to think of um I'm, I'm going to focus on the hall because uh, being, uh, being a trade hall kind of guy, I got into very few presentations. I, I, I always get stuck on, in the hall, just catching up with friends and talking about what's going on. I was, I was really um, interested to see um, how there, there were, there was a real mix of technologies out there um, today, but it was kind of small steps in evolution for me. There wasn't anything there wasn't anything that blew my mind, if I'm honest, but lots of little steps in sophistication mm -hmm. from everybody I saw, from uh, you know, from the guys uh, who do design software uh, like Warwick, who who are just ever ever improving what they're offering, and even the the product ranges that we were seeing from the wholesale guys. I saw a couple of interesting PV products. I saw, so I did see lots of interesting things actually. Now that I think of it, <laughs> sunshades. You know, just just little steps in evolution. And of course, it was a bit of a toe in the water for everyone in the industry um, actually being here. You know, we're all literally you know fully committed a month and a half ago, and then in the last two or three weeks, a number of people almost pulled out and then mm. just came at the last minute. So well done to everyone in the industry, I say, for, yeah. um, for braving it. Yeah. I found the price point of some of the EV vehicles was impressing me because I thought oh, that so the... Get to EVs, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because the, you know, they, they looked fairly shiny and I expected a six-figure sum on some of them and it was actually surprisingly low. So I do believe, uh, talking about grid stability and electric vehicles and all that, um, Somehow, I, I really look for a bit of leadership from the government in, in, in that area because I feel the electric vehicle is kind of coming to us like a freight train. Um, we knew solar is growing for the last 10 years, but we still really haven't gotten up to turn it on to all its opportunities. So where is the opposition painting the picture that people could get inspired by to kind of force the government into action? Look, I think it's going to kind of develop itself. I mean, you know, as I mentioned at the start, um, you know, our EV website, the driven, is going absolutely gangbusters now. And we're getting like between one and one and a half million pages a month. It just shows the latent interest out there in EVs. And you talk about a freight train. Well, freight trains in Australia go pretty slowly. So and I think that's about how. <laughs> I was talking about the total weight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it is, it is slowly. But, but it's actually really quite impressive. I mean, there's a lot of interest in those. There was, um, there was, 
How many EVs were there? There were just two, actually. There was just a BYD, Build Your Dreams, very shiny red car. But that's actually an old model. What was really interesting was they're talking about, they had some video of their new hatch, which is going to come here at the end of the year, $30,000. So that's going to be... And, and really a range of around 600 Ks, I hear. Yeah, well, almost in well, my, the way I drive. The way you, the way you drive, six hundred very slowly. Yeah, well, yeah, that's very probably the way their <laughs> testers might actually drive as well. I think anyone up on a freeway might find that reduced pretty quickly. But uh, I think the sticker on my electric car actually said four hundred and sixty kilometres, and on the freeway you don't get much more than half of that. So it's about two hundred and fifty. But that's okay. I'm just driven it down from Byron Bay, and I'm just about to drive it back in day after tomorrow, and it's fine. Beautiful. Stop. We've got the surfboard, Warro. So even with a surfboard, I was still getting good mileage out of it. And, uh, <laughs> I think the only reason why you're losing your battery so quick is you've tra trained on the autobahn. Yeah, well, <laughs> anyway, yeah. But the other interesting thing about the, um, the other car that we saw was the Nissan Leaf, and that's mm. uh, bi-directional charging. So that's actually the start of having the battery on wheels. So, you know, we talked about... Mm. Well, it's, it's actually going to be interesting to see the choices that people make five years from now when electric vehicle prices actually come down. They've sorted out how this bi-directional charging is going to work and we actually have a battery on wheels you can plug into your house. Are you still going to have a household battery there? Are you just going to rely on your car? Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I just imagine that most of the utilities are probably still struggling to get their mind around it and, uh, and they really have to. Oh, big uncertainties and are you going to have two different uh, electricity retailers, one for your, uh, charging your car and one for your home based and, and maybe a third one for the energy you send out to the grid? Ooh, that sounds pretty tricky. It's all post-2025 oh, uh, market all design. post-2025. <laughs> I don't know, you'd have to settle with one, wouldn't you? Not necessarily. The, Not necessarily. The, yeah. yeah, well, you look at the UK and switching in the UK has become so, so easy that it is a nightmare for retailers and consumers are literally switching on a monthly basis now because the market has made it so easy to switch. So there's, there's a pro in that for a consumer, but of course it doesn't work so well for a retailer. And uh, as we're seeing already, the retailers are having to adapt to a whole new world where um, you know, there isn't so much profit now. Yeah. It's going to be fascinating, isn't it? It's all just going to come into the house now and inside the house. It's all going to be based around solar and having the um, demand response, well not the demand response, but all those sort of smart devices in the house and yeah. the storage, whether it's on wheels or sitting in your garage. Um, you know, we've got, it's been pretty exciting for the last five years, the last five or ten years, but I think it's going to get even more exciting over the next five or ten. I think so, and um, one thing we saw with our research partners, EUPD, um, in their install monitor survey of, um, of installers in, in Germany now, what we see is that most solar installers are also in, uh, installing EV charge points, and so I suspect that that's going to be a something that happens in Australia as well, and so, you know, if you're thinking that uh, you're having to get sophisticated with uh, connecting to your data network, etc., then uh, imagine what it's going to be like when you have to do that with your EV charger point. But again, this is, uh, for me, another level of profitability that solar businesses can get to when it's not just doing you know, $2,000 to $4,000 to $6,000 transactions on a PV-only system. You're including a charge point, potentially a battery as well. And so you can actually... control, integration, uh, load control came up in my presentation uh, because that's still going to come at some point in time, no doubt. And so it becomes a value-driven um, outcome for consumers rather than what can I get at least price because um, the lowest possible price may not get you the quickest payback, for example. Yep. That's a big change, isn't it? Just not a simple, simple panel anymore, is it? It's going to be... No, it's going to become part of the ecosystem. Exactly, it's just part of that whole ecosystem. That was one of the points I made in my presentation is what consumers are going to expect and demand is going to change so dramatically. 
in the next few years. So dramatically. Mm. Yeah. Um, before you, I can see you're going to wind us up. I'm, I'm getting to that point. Getting to that. I just want to say one of the one of the most lovely things uh, that I experienced at the conference, Giles, was the number of people coming up uh, saying, "Listen to the podcast all the time. You you are my comfy pair of slippers." Uh, uh, thank you so much for all the effort. So to everyone who came up and uh, encouraged us to keep going, uh, thank you. It's actually great to get that feedback. So people just coming up and saying, I know your voice. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah. No, well, you've so. got a great face for radio. Oh, thanks very much, Mark. <laughs> so do you. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to get glasses like that, but that's okay. <laughs> We're in a room that's getting darker and darker, so we hardly see each other here, yeah. just to the audience. Yeah. It's, it's getting very warm and fuzzy here. <laughs> time when we start wrapping it up work any last observations so i hope they're pleasant ones i'll i'll bite my tongue on that one um one one trend that i uh, did observe that um i often was asking uh, passers-by what's the key issue you're trying to solve because for me that gets a pulse on the industry and you might have a different perspective on that but one of the things i think we saw was that solar businesses are starting to focus on how can we make our operations as efficient as possible, realising that you know, profitability doesn't necessarily come from chasing you know, down a quarter of a cent per watt on a solar panel. Um, it comes from having you know, excellence in your, your sales teams um, and, and converting well at decent prices, but then also being able to deliver effectively and uh, you know, reducing your overheads as, as much as you can. And so people realise they can do that with automation, with integration, etc. And, uh, yeah. We, we saw a great demand for an interest in that for, for our services there. Mm. Marcus, any final words? Well, I think, again, the installers are really the backbone of our industry and uh, the need for them to upskill, to you know, even go out to repairs very quickly to get that word of mouth going, to be strong in their community. I found a lot of them have learned that lesson and the quality guys are still here now because they're following that path. That's good, yeah. Just reminds me of the Country Women's Association voted against allowing solar farms to go on to primary agriculture. I got some very good intel that I'm going to share with you for the next episode as well. Keep that up my sleeve. But I did get some grace up. But I've got two observations that I wanted to throw in. Number one, I wanted to acknowledge all the hard work that was put into making this conference actually come together. That's true. Um, That's true. And, and if, if you ever wanted an example of it, I was chatting with Lucy uh, Grimes, John Grimes's daughter. John's worked very hard along with his whole team to pull this together. And Lucy described to me that, you know, we all got little show bags and there was, uh, you know, brochures and various other things as we came into the hall and there were water bottles in there. Guess who packed all those water bottles? John Grimes himself. Thousands and thousands and thousands, six hours uh, with the team, including John, actually hands-on packing bags. So uh, if you ever want an example of someone putting the effort in, that's awesome. And I also wanted to give a shout out to the girls. Uh, the Wise Girls um, had Australian Women in Solar had an event yesterday. More than 100 people there um, to sort of kick off this new movement that um, that some of the awesome girls uh, are trying to do to, to encourage women in the industry. And a great, I couldn't be there myself, unfortunately, due to another commitment, but a great number of guys there 
also supporting us. So big shout out to them. That's fantastic. Look, guys, we're going to wrap it up there. I'd just like to thank Warwick um, Johnson for joining us and Marcus Lambert for joining us as well. And um, we'll see you, Nigel. It's been great to catch up. Very interesting face-to-face here, but it's got it's weird. Got to work out Should we do it again? Maybe. 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 Look, I want to give my shout-out also to um, to the Smart Energy Council for um, their work on this. Um, shout-out to everybody who's come up and said hello and congratulations on your work and love your podcast. Um, don't forget to listen out next week for the Great Solar Business Podcast with Nigel's interview with um, Martin Green, part of an ongoing series, uh, which is going to be really, really fantastic. Um, David Leach and I on the Energy Insiders Podcast also sort of talk about some of the other big picture things with the politicians and hydrogen and stuff like that. If you want to get a bit of a different angle on things and what happened at this conference here. And of course, thanks to our sponsors, Clenergy, Solar Analytics and Sunwiz. And we will be back in a fortnight. Bye for now. Solar Insiders was brought to you by Clanergy, the providers of high-quality mounting systems for residential, commercial and utility-scale solar projects. With in-house engineering and projects divisions, Clanergy provides a unique edge with its expert advice. Let Clanergy find the right framework for any solar application. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, Australia's leading service provider for the solar and storage industry. SunWiz's new partnership with OpenSolar will amplify the value delivered by their world-leading solar software platform. With pro setup, training and assistance, run your business at maximum velocity. Visit sunwiz.com.au. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by Solar Analytics, developers of smart solar software you can trust for homes, businesses and solar retailers right here in Australia. Get more from your solar. Visit solaranalytics.com.au.